Ian Jackson, the second ranked player in the class of 2024, is off the board and he is going to the University of Kentucky. No, wait a second. I'm hearing it's actually wrong. Ian Jackson is a North Carolina Tar Heel. You are locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shea. Joining me today is our guy, Jason Jordan, our college basketball insider recruiter. And we want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch. And we want to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college basketball recruiting sponsor across the Locked on Network. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Jason, it has been a whirlwind of a day for us. Let's pull back the curtain a little bit for the good people here. Earlier on Monday, you and I recorded a, a segment for this show where we talked about Ian Jackson to Kentucky because that was all the intel we had was yeah. Ian Jackson was a firm to Kentucky. And then uh, we talked about, so where does Hubert Davis turn now? They've already got a solid, really solid class, but they've got more irons in the fire. But hold the phone. We got to come back around and record this thing. Because on Monday morning, there was a little bit of an MLK Day miracle as, as some, mm. some intel started leaking out that maybe we had been learning wrong all along. The, the mm. Jackson families kind of held this thing close to the vest. And uh, turns out, when he unzips the jacket at halftime of that game on ESPNU, Ian Jackson is a Tar Heel. Jason, we've already talked about Ian Jackson's game on the show, so we're not going to do that today. If you guys want to hear or see that, you can go back and find it. And you know what? I might just link it right here. Jason, what I want to know is what happened in this commitment? Yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but funny, uh, <laughs> funny story, right? <laughs> I've definitely had this happen before uh, over the years I've been doing this. I've actually had, I won't say who, but a, a five-star um, McDonald's All-American in the last few years. Um, we recorded a commitment video with him. And, I mean, we asked the questions about the particular school he committed to. And um, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I that was then. And I wanted to go here and this and that. Gave me all these in-depth answers. And <laughs> he called me later that night. And he's like, yeah, we got to re-record that because I decided I'm going to go to another school. I mean, we had produced it and everything, you know, and we had to re-record with him and ask him about this other school that he always was committed to. And, you know, um, I'll let you guys uh, think about who that was. But um, so not uh, not crazy rare. I've done this with Zion Williamson. That was like, you know, everybody had their stories written. Julius Randall, I'll never forget. Everybody had their stories written for Kansas and um, even Harrison Barnes, who you guys benefited from. Some people had them stories written for Duke. For Duke, yeah. Um, you know, Zion, it was Clemson, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, not uncommon. I, I, what I've been told um, from people in the know uh, is that the the visit changed the world. Hmm. You know, changed the world. And <clears throat> I know that he was, you know, maybe he was a Kentucky lean. I'm not going to speak for him, but maybe he was a Kentucky lean. 
uh, before the visit. But I've always said that a visit, a great visit can change it all. Right. And so uh, I will have you know that in my B, B side conversations, <laughs> North Carolina is certainly a top three visit. Uh, that's how kids think. That's the back channel conversations. That's the water cooler talk. Um, so, you know, when Carol, it, it's, it scares coaches, the Carolina visit can, it's scary, Interesting. you know? So it's that. And then um, Elliot Cadeau, and we talked about this before in a podcast before that's Right. Um, he was going to be a great mouthpiece. Well, he just happens to be really close to Ann Jackson, you know, um, go figure that one. So their <laughs> um, closeness. And then, you know, uh, the visit, I think, were the two things that, you know, really put it over the top. And thus, he's going to be headed to Chapel Hill. That's huge. Hubert Davis for the win. For the win. And and let's go there. Like, the, the Hubert Davis of this thing is, I mean, he is just on an absolute tear on the recruiting trail right, right. now. I mean, what, what you said about Carolina being a top three visit is what, I'm assuming that was true pre-Hubert Davis, like even in the Roy Williams era. But it, it sounds like perhaps that's even been elevated because of who Hubert Davis is, because of his NBA pedigree, because of his personality, right? Like, does yeah. that just elevate all these things higher? Yes, yes. I mean, it, it was a time. It's different, though. You know, I, I say a yes and no. Okay. Um, but, it, the, you know, when you're when he's at the top, when the guy with Hubert Davis's personality uh, is at at the controls, the energy's different in every way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, Roy, Roy just, you know, he's no spring chicken. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he's certain things he's not doing. He's not coming out certain times of night. You know, he's not, but Hubert just got that energy. He can just go all night. He can talk all night. He can, he's going to entertain. He's going to be turned on. But that's just, it's not even turned on. It's just his personality. Like I always said, you know, when I, I had Hubert Davis on our show um, last year, I think when he had, when he had first, we were one of the first interviews and I sat down with him for a while. And yeah, I said, man, you know, people's always, I said, every time I talked to him, he busted out laughing. I was like, everybody just says, you know, I just love me some Hubert Davis. And he just, <laughs> he thought that was the funniest thing, but it's so true. Like you, yeah. you don't yeah. meet people that don't like him. I haven't personally met, I mean, even coaches, not to say he's like the, you know, the golden child, but people just like him, you know, and it's not hard to, you just listen to an interview with him. You're going to probably like the guy, you know, or you just, you might just be a hater. I don't know. You know, like you got to like Hubert, you know, even if you're maybe you're the other shade of blue. And yeah, I'm certain the people in Lexington don't like Hubert. Not but, right now. Um, yeah. They don't like him today, but you know, he's a guy who's, um, he went, I say this all the time. He wins the den. Yes. So he's yes. at an in-home visit. He wins the den. Who's in the den? Mama's in the den. Daddy's <laughs> in the den. Uh, aunt, so-and-so is in the den that's a big time Carolina fan and he's gonna really make over her he's that he's got that personality man it's just you can't you can't it's it's just you can't teach it it's just he just got it man it's innate and it's saying it's innate he's paying big dividends for them on the recruiting trail for sure well Jason so then now looking at the fullness of this thing you already had the number one class with point guard Elliot Cadeau center James Brown and small forward Drake Powell, kind of your next leaky black type guy. Yeah. And now you get a, a two guard with Ian Jackson. And I, and so your already number one class is now yeah. more more stranglehold on number one. But I don't think Hubert Davis is done, right? Like we're still looking at a power forward, trying to get a Jaron Stevenson or a Trenton Flowers in in this mix as well. 
Yeah. It, you know, what it does is, you know, having a class, like really they had, like you point, they had the number one class, but now they just lapped everybody three times. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> it's it's kind of not fair. It's a little mean, you know, what they're doing at this point, but you know, what it does is it strengthens the sales so they can sell. For example, they can take Jaron Stevenson and be like, look here, Jaron, you know what we're doing. You see what we have. You can come be a part of the number one class in the country. And you're like, most people be like, ah, people, it just really boils. That matters. I'm not saying it will push them over the top. I'm just not saying it won't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. So I'm telling you, that matters to kids. You got to remember, these kids all think they're going to be pros, all think they're going to be famous. So all of this marketing matters, especially in this day and age. Um, and so they will absolutely use that as a selling point to go get who they want. And at this point, with the momentum they have, it's it's, you know, they're going to have their pick of the litter. I mean, whether it be transfer portal or not, the thing that you have to really think about is Elliot Cadeau unabashed about potentially reclassifying. Um, and that all depends on Caleb Love. I think yep. pretty much everybody understands that. But let's be honest, Ian Jackson has talked about reclassification right. too in the last right. six months, you know, um, six days. So he, he is not a conversation that he hasn't had, that he hasn't answered questions about. And then you wonder, people are like, huh, you know, he was always a lock, air quotes, lock to go to Kentucky. But Kentucky, if he was going to reclassify and he was going to go to Kentucky, they already got a traveling all-star team. Maybe it doesn't make sense to go to Kentucky if they're loaded and they, it's a log jam. But if they go to Carolina and there are spots open, I'm just saying you, we have to watch to see because these are people that have had to answer questions and have been a little non-committal in the past um, hmm. about certainly staying 24. So okay. it'll be interesting to see over the next three months. For All sure. Right. Lots more conversations clearly that we need to have about both Carolina's 23 and 24 class, including who's staying and going from this year's yeah. roster. It is a fluid situation, folks. That is college athletics right now. And that's why Jason and I are here to help you unpack that. Seems like we need to have a conversation when Jason's with us next week about Jaron Stevenson and see what's potentially next. Jason Jordan, brother, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. From looking ahead to 2024, let's focus back in on this year and get ready for the Heels to host Boston College tonight, Tuesday in the Smith Center. But before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And so if you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then Built Bar is the way to go. Seriously, it's so delicious. You won't even realize it's good for you. And what makes it so good? Well, first off, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And these Built Bars come in unbelievable flavors like churro and brownie peanut butter. So great stuff. I'm not sure how they do it, but it always tastes great and maintains amazing macros. Just 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and still has a whopping 17 grams of protein. And the best news is now you don't have to wait around for your order to be delivered from Built.com. You can go right down to your local Walmart or Sam's Club who now carries Built Bars in store. Go get yourself a box. You won't be disappointed. Okay. Boston College coming up, man, uh, a great game uh, for Carolina to build on what they did at Louisville. Another 
not great opponent. So hopefully a chance to continue kind of resetting, let Mondo get his legs back up under him, maybe Pete Nance too, and then keep going. So uh, the the basic, the bottom storyline of this game, same thing as at Louisville on Saturday. There's nothing really to be gained by winning, but you lose a lot if you lose this game. So you just simply have to win regardless of what you do. Again, this one's back at home. Boston College is 200th right now at Ken Palm. Not great. They're eight and 10 overall, two and five in the ACC. Obviously, if you look at that resume, several of those 10 losses are bad, including worst of all, a home loss to Maine, who's a team ranked in the 300s at Ken Palm. Their best win is pretty recently. They beat Virginia Tech at home in overtime, but outside of that, no victories in the top 100. Um, and, and their only other ACC win right now is over Notre Dame at home as well. They're on a current three-game losing streak versus Duke at Miami versus Wake Forest versus Wake Forest. Excuse me. And um, like, I mean, that's a, that's a stretch that a lot of teams are going to lose if we're being honest. Even though two of three of them were at home. So, as for this game tonight, Tuesday, January seventeenth, in the Smith Center, seven p.m. Eastern Time on regional sports networks. The easiest way to get it is to make sure to just tune into ACC Network Extra if you have um, access to that, and it'll take you right to it. Carolina is the heavy favorite in this one, favored by 17 at Ken Palm. As for Boston College's personnel, let's get into that a little bit. I'll give you four things you need to know about the Eagles, and then in just a little bit, we'll go to our what to watch for in the game. The leading scorer this year is Makai Ashton Langford at 12.3 points per game. They do. The Eagles have have three scores in double figures, which is more than Duke has right now. So there is that. Leading rebounder right now is TJ Bickerstaff at 6.3 per game, which is kind of Louisville-ish where there's nobody that's really uh, doing much for them in the rebounding. And to complicate matters for Earl Grant's team, TJ Bickerstaff just missed their last game. I can't find anything about why. I've looked all over, talked to people, insiders, everything, and I just can't figure out why he missed that game. He's a usual starter. And so at, at this point, as of when we're talking, I don't know if he will play in this game tonight. So keep your eyes on that. As for their starting lineups, it's been a mixed bag this year. Boston College has played 18 games and used eight different starting lineups. The most common one, though, is one is kind of similar to Carolina, where um, four of the five usual starters um, are guys that were starters last year when Carolina played Boston College. That would be Bickerstaff, who we just talked about. Makai Ashton Langford, who we just talked about, leading scorer, and then also DeMar Langford and Jaden Zachary. The usual, most common other starter is a freshman coming in, Prince Aligbe. Um, and so keep your eyes on him, who is, is a solid player for Boston College. Um, but that, that's the starting personnel. And then we'll obviously some other guys off the bench. And like I said, keep your eyes on if Bickerstaff plays or not and who comes in in his place if he doesn't. As for BC, let me give you four things to know about the Eagles this year so you can kind of get a sense of who they are. First off, the offense, it's just bad. Uh, there's no other way to really put that. So what I want to watch for is how Carolina does defensively against them, but also keeping in mind, like this is a game where you you kind of don't put too much stock into how Carolina plays defensively. You kind of take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? That said, you still got to go out and do it. And 
Carolina's defense has been progressing. Uh, they, they've been in the 70s at Ken Palm, and, and currently, as of when we're talking, they are up to the, the 50s. Let me double-check that. It right now is at 57, so holding, holding all right there in the 50s. But this is a chance for Carolina to keep making some strides defensively and doing things there, and so, so we'll watch for that. But again, Boston College only scores 65 points a game. Number two thing to know about Boston College is that their three-point shooting is woeful. I mean, you would expect there's going to be some bad things if their defense is so bad, which by the way, if, if we're talking about rankings, their defense is 270 or excuse me, their offense is 279th in the nation. So not, not great there. I mean, not great. That's putting it kindly really bad for Boston college offensively, but their three point shooting is even worse. That's why I bring all that up shooting 28% on the season as a team. That's bad. That is 356th right now out of the 363 teams in Division One. So in the bottom 10 in three-point accuracy so far this season. Third thing you know about Boston College is not only do they shoot the three poorly, they defend it poorly. And that could be a great thing for the Tar Heels, who, as we know, have been up and down from deep this season. They don't guard the three well. While they're only shooting 28%, they're allowing their opponents to shoot about 10 percentage points higher than that, 37.9%, which is also in not the bottom 10, but 349th out of 363. So bottom 20 in all of Division One there as well. So the three-point line has been a point of not goodness for Boston College this season. So we will look to see if it can be one of those good games for Carolina from deep. As you've heard me talk a lot about, RJ himself has been going lately up to a career high this season in terms of single season three-point percentage right now at 36.8%, shooting 50% in the last six games. We'll look to see if he, he can keep it going. Obviously, uh, you got to get Caleb going. That's the thing from three. And so we'll watch that. There could be a, a moment for Caleb to find his range. And then the fourth thing on things to know about Boston College is this. You would probably guess it based on what we just talked about. But 60.9% of their points come from two-pointers, which is the second most in that level of distribution, uh, sixth most in all of D1. And so when it comes to... Like basically we're talking about just the breakdown of the balance of defense or excuse me, of two pointers, three pointers and free throws. And so when it comes to that, Boston College gets 60 percent, uh, 61 percent, essentially, really of their offense from twos. So what does that mean? Well, Carolina is often bad about um, uh, keeping ball handlers in front of them. So it's going to be incumbent upon the the backcourt defense to hold up well. And, and so you look to see that kind of thing. Um, like DeMarco Dunn did a great job with that, obviously, like on L. Ellis on Saturday against Louisville. So we'll be watching for that. It's also incumbent upon Baycott and whoever joins him in the front court. We're still waiting to hear about Pete Nance's probably as has been a, a game time decision or in the hours leading up at least. And so um, got got to do your job defensively, which Mondo uh, typically does well. Obviously, we know uh, Leakey, if he's called into action as a small ball four, um, does good early work on that to get into position. And uh, so Puff Johnson or whoever's in there will have to do that as well. So Carolina got to guard twos well.
Now, knowing all this about Boston College, you got your Boston College primer. I want to give you my four things, my what to watch for, my WTW4 for this game. First off, it's time for Carolina to execute at a high level at home. What else? I'll give it to you, that and more, in just a second. All right, we are going to wrap up today's show talking about what to watch for in this game, uh, more geared on the Carolina side of things, but just some overall storylines. And, and we got to start at the same place we started with coming out of the Louisville game, and that's with Armando Baycott. Number one, you got to assume since he played at Louisville, and it doesn't seem like he had any kind of setback. That's what you're always watching for when a player returns from injury. Like, do you keep going? And he did. Honestly, I mean, just the fact that he played was more than I expected, but the fact that he played well enough, given the percentage of himself that he was, um, figured out how to do things and keep going and stay in a long time other than the foul trouble, which I frankly think I didn't mention this on Monday show, but I think his foul trouble was a... Um, offshoot uh, uh, happened because of his limited mobility, right? Guarding with your hands more than your feet, which makes sense in that scenario. Um, but my, my assumption is that barring a setback, we haven't heard anything to, to the otherwise at this point. And so that he will be ready to go for this game. We'll be back in and, you know, everyone or stay in as he did on Saturday and everyone is excited for that. Specifically, though, when he sees Boston College on the other jersey, or it'll say, uh, yeah, Boston College is last year at home versus BC. Armando had 18 rebounds. Phenomenal. You'd love to see that again tonight but only six points. And that was one of the few games last year he fell short of a double-double. And I heard him in an, in an interview postseason bemoan the fact, specifically this game last year at home, that he didn't get a double-double against Boston College because that's what would have put him over the top of breaking David Robinson's single-season NCAA dub-dub record. And he tied him. So uh, you know Mondo is going to be rearing to go in this one. And remember, speaking of dub-dubs, one more ties him with Billy Cunningham for the most in Carolina history at 60. So, you know, he's going to be watching for that. Additionally, he needs 33 more rebounds to tie Tyler Hansborough for the career rebounding record at North Carolina. Now, he's not going to get 33 in this game, but like that 18 he had against BC last year at home, if he does that, he puts himself in a great position to tie, get closer to, or even set the record against NC State at home on Saturday. So Armando Baycott has a chance against NC State at home. You hearing me on this? To set Carolina's double-double career record and rebounding career record. But it's got to start with doing it against Boston College tonight. Number two, what to watch for in this game is the starting lineup. Again, I'm expecting to see Armando Baycott in again. So let, let's assume that that's settled. Uh, the question mark once again becomes... Pete Nance. No reason to think we wouldn't see the, the other three regular starters as well, RJ, Caleb, and Leakey. But remember, on Saturday, um, whereas it had been Seth Trimble starting the last couple games in, in place of Pete Nance, on Saturday it was Puff Johnson, whom you've heard me talk about as well. Had Pete Nance not come to Carolina, that is the person, Puff Johnson, we expect would have been in the starting lineup, barring injury, as he had to start the season. And so uh, it kind of interesting full circle to see the opportunity now for it to kind of be that starting lineup. So the backcourt of RJ and Caleb 
and then kind of three, four mixture could be either leaky or puff one playing the wing, one playing a small ball forward, right? Either of them could do that well. And then, uh, and then obviously Armando at the five and probably be be leaky at the three as just a little bit more of an elite athlete than puff is. Um, and, and that's what we expect to see there. But um, watch for that. Watch for what the starting lineup is. Is it Puff Johnson? Is it Seth Tremble? I expect, based on how Coach Davis has been playing these guys lately, Seth, I wouldn't say he's been in the doghouse. He just hadn't had as many minutes lately that I would expect it would be Puff Johnson again starting this one. However, that he would continue to roll out that 3G and maybe even 4G lineup again where you have either three guards or four guards alongside Armando Baycott. For all I know, at this point, P. Nance could come back. That's not off the table. That's not out of the question. But at this point, we just don't know, right? And so we're going to have to watch out for that. Number three on the WTW4, W2W4, what to watch for is the bench. Now, uh, this the bench scenario changes depending on who is the fifth starter. If it's Pete, obviously, you're going to have Seth and Puff on the bench. If Pete's out, you're either going to have Seth or Puff on the bench. It's going to be one of those two in the starting lineup. And so let's say it's Puff again. That means coming off the bench, you got DeMarco Dunn. You got Jalen Washington. You, you got Seth Tremble. Um, if, if you want them, you've got Tyler Nickel. You've got... Um, uh, excuse me, Dontrez, um, probably not going to play Justin McCoy, but you you starting to see now the bench depth developing further and further. I expect, let's say Puff starts, I still expect Seth to get 10 to 15 minutes a game. I expect if, if DeMarco can follow up what he did on Saturday, I expect him to get 20 again. And um, um, with Jalen, I would put him in that 15 to 20 range. Right. And so you, you love to see things where these the the starters are able to play fewer than 35 minutes in the game. Um, as we had on Saturday, Caleb was the only one to play more than 30 minutes. And so, man, if, if these starters off the bench can continue to provide high level performance, I mean, you had DeMarco hitting two threes. I know Puff was a starter, but he hit two threes. Those those types of things. It puts Hubert Davis in a position where he can play more guys, more minutes. And so you love to see that. And then uh, the fourth thing in the what to watch for, for me is this. While Boston College's offense is like bad, 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 their their defense comparatively is pretty good, right? They're, they're not, I mean, I'm not calling them elite or high level or anything like that, but they do grade out as the 111th most efficient defense per Ken Palm. And so um, with that in mind, I want to see, Carolina set up shop at home, execute offensively at a high level. They had had back-to-back games of single-digit turnovers, um, but then these last two, Virginia and Louisville, they had had 13 and then 14. I want to see them get back, especially now that they're using more guards. You expect it to be that lower number. And against Louisville, that's a team that doesn't force turnovers. You might recall we talked about of those 14, only three of them were Louisville steals. So that's not just Louisville doing awesome defensively, right? Like this is no Rick Pitino Louisville uh, defense. Carolina's got to take care of the ball better. And, and that's something. So I want to see that happen offensively, execute at a higher level in terms of taking care of the ball. I want to see RJ continue to stay at that high level he's been at. You, you, we talked about earlier how well he's shooting from three, how well he is 
um, shooting right now a career high just from the field in general. And against Louisville on Saturday, had five assists and just one turnover. We've talked so much about RJ is probably the most indispensable, important part of this team. Although with Baycott out, you see how uh, RJ might take a second share to that. But man, Carolina needs RJ to keep doing these kind of things. And I expect that out of him tonight on Tuesday. Another part of the high level offensive execution is just, you just got to say it. Caleb's got to get going. Right. Um, and you expect him to, you, you don't expect, you expect the ups and downs. Yes. But you don't expect it to last as long as this one has. Um, and so against a, a Boston college team that has poor three point defense, I don't want to see Caleb settle for those. I want to see him attack first and foremost, like he did on Saturday at Louisville. And then as he sees the ball go through the net a couple of times, stretch it out. Let's see you take a couple, hit a couple. Um, I mean, he's been take. I, I don't think he's been taking bad threes, right? I think the vast majority of them recently have been within the flow of the offense. They're just not fallen. And uh, that that's not Caleb. And so expect to see that. And then the other thing is Carolina needs to continue to get Mondo going early and often. So get the ball into your big man, let him go to work and set the tone. And then that, that causes defensive collapse, which allows for even more three point shooting. And that's a great recipe to win this game. So ultimately build a lead early at home, rip their spirits out of them and uh, send them packing by halftime, basically, you know, and then you can, I'm going to say you can coast through the second half. You don't want to coast through the second half, but you hear what I'm saying. Like it's extremely comfortable. Get it out to a 20 plus lead in, in that stretch. And that's what we're looking for for Carolina against Boston college tonight. I got the heels winning this one by 20 or more points. Well, that's it friends for today's episode of locked on Tar Heels coming up tomorrow. We will have a recap for you from the Carolina Boston college game. Everything from that you can follow the show on twitter at locked on heels follow me at isaac shade you can email the show locked on tar heels at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you get your nominations for the heel of the week and the heel of the week for friday please don't forget to subscribe to the show smash the like button and comment we're coming up on the one year anniversary of me taking over the show and would love to make a good push into that one the, the one year anniversary so help us in that way if you haven't already subscribed on youtube and elsewhere please please do so for your second listen of the day check out our brand new podcast locked on college basketball with myself isaac shade and andy Patton. we bring you everything you need to know both on and off the court from around the nation plus hear from big name experts coaches and players throughout the basketball landscape locked on college basketball available on youtube odyssey and anywhere else you get podcasts Thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday hanging out with me talking Carolina basketball. Want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace. <laughs>